A diamond has long been a symbol of commitment, love, and trust. Isn't it time the diamond industry showed us the same values behind the scenes? Clean Origin is leading the engagement ring industry toward a brighter future, designing elegant lab-grown diamond fine jewelry that never compromises our values. A brand that doesn't just talk the talk, but one that was founded to make a difference, to offer a more environmentally friendly, conflict-free, and price-accessible choice without any compromises on quality. Lab diamonds are grown in a lab using cutting-edge technology that replicates the process of natural diamonds. A lab-grown diamond is chemically, physically, and visually identical to a mined diamond without the adverse effects of traditional diamond mining. And for a price of up to 10 times less, we don't know why you'd choose anything else. You know, I'm a Sag. I'm always going to say bigger is better. And with these prices, three carats is the new one carat, baby. Go big. Honestly, five carats is the new three carats if you really want to go there. You all know that we know a thing or two about engagement rings. And these clean origin rings are simply stunning, classic designs, and for a fraction of the price. From the color of your metal to the center stone and setting, you'll be able to customize every aspect of this very important lifetime piece of jewelry. Whether you're looking for an engagement ring or tennis bracelet or diamond stud earrings, Clean Origin has beautiful diamond jewelry that you'll be wearing forever. You can use code What's Your Sign for $100 off all orders over $1,000. That's $100 off all orders over $1,000. Go to cleanorigin.com and use our code What's Your Sign at checkout for $100 off of your order of $1,000 or more. Use our promo code What's Your Sign, all spelled out. Check out Clean Origin today. Hello, signers. Before we get into this week's episode, we have reviews to read. Yay! Woo, thank ah. you. I, I wish we had like a sound effect, like a drop uh, thing. Yeah, we got to come yeah. up with something for the review, like the reviews. We can make a little jingle, um, like review time. Oh, that sounds like Blues Clues or something. I don't know. I will we'll like figure it clues. out. Submit uh, if you have a theme, a jingle. Yeah, send it to us. That'd be fun. Oh my gosh, give us a drop. A website oh, drop. I would oh. love. That. They do that on uh, Doughboys, Dope and it's very funny. I, I would love the drops. Oh my god, like a super we mix. We get of... one for each sign. Okay, like, we've said Scorpio, 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 or whatever. Yes. That's so funny. Oh my god, right. we're trade. Okay, trademark all of this. Nobody steal these ideas. But also and submit your yeah, the astrology podcast. Yeah. <laughs> least likely to keep least your mitts off our drops. keep your mitts off our drops, Brennan. Okay. Um, <laughs> Anyways, we're reading reviews. Uh, if you're not aware, if you leave us a five-star review, we will read it on the air. It also helps us a lot, and it makes us feel wonderful. We love them. Um, we are so grateful for the support. If you've already left one, uh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. If you haven't left one, consider it. And maybe after you hear these ones, it'll change your mind. Uh, without further ado, here are our reviews. This first one comes from... Oh, I'm not going to read the username. Uh, this person I see in the review is from Sweden. It's a lot of consonants next to each other. I'm not even going to try. Uh, it is entitled, Hi, I'm a Julie Stevie, uh, with some emojis. 
Taurus Suns Unite. This podcast is my religion. With my Mars and Aquarius and Venus and Gemini, I feel connected with Lisa and wonder what the hell is up with those places sometimes. <laughs> with Mercury and Gemini and Moon and Aries, I feel quick and youthful like Stevie. And Sag Rising connects me with Julia, and I love having this expansive sign alive in my chart. I just want to say thanks, wonderful ladies, and please don't ever stop being yourselves and sharing that with the world. We are listening. Love, Chelsea from Sweden. Aww. Thank you, Chelsea from Chelsea. Sweden. You so are I wonder sweet. what the hell is up to, girl. <laughs> I you wonder. Are, you're our baby. There's so much. Yes. I love the like, connection. Oh, our Swedish baby. You. So cute. Uh, this next review is from Great Britain from Slippery Fish BB. And the title is Love You. These Astro Honeys really helped me get through some confusing slash lonely times. I feel like I'm nestled in your collective bosom being showered with wit and tea. I got a chart reading for myself for Xmas last year, and it felt so special and cast a light on some things I didn't know about in my chart already. Thanks for being empowering teachers through my astro journey for the last year or so. The little cosmic star emoji. I put you guys on when I make food, so it's like we're having cute breakfast dates all the time. Sending you the overwhelming Aww. amount of love. Only a Pisces stellium cam. XXX with love from V. Vietnam. Oh, XXX. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember you. Yeah. I remember you. Oh, I hope. Oh, let's know how things are going. I remember you yeah. living in Vietnam, cutie. Okay. Yes, Thanks for I the review. Yeah. I'm not going to give away any personal info. No, but no. But a lot of well. things yes. just clicked. I was like, oh, I yeah. remember you. Yeah. <laughs> I think we are having breakfast dates. <laughs> yeah. Um, Love it. Your next review comes from B Scorp Sun, Sag Moon, Taurus Rising. And it is titled, Can't Recommend This Podcast Enough. Uh, I have been studying astrology for years, but it never fully clicked for me until I found this podcast in October of 2018. If you are looking to learn astrology in a fun and engaging way, listen to this podcast. These lovely ladies truly put so much love and effort into making the most amazing and informative content I have yet to find in the astrology world. They also do personal chart readings that are so much fun. I got one for me and gifted one to my BF, and we love them so much. I feel like I've grown in my love and knowledge of astrology with Julia, Stevie, and Lisa over the past couple of years and can't wait to continue to grow more with them over the years to come. Heart emoji, Veronica, Scorpio, Sag, Taurus. Oh my God, I'm going to cry. Thank you. What the fuck? Hidden See, the sentiments. you just make it feel so good. They're so special. Oh, I love so it. So special. Fuck. Uh, next review comes from Lake Couture. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, it's entitled, This Gemini Can't Stop Talking About This Pod. Uh, I have seriously learned so, so much about myself and others over the years listening to this pod. My Aries boyfriend used to live an hour away, and this podcast got me through those hours of driving. I'd be talking his ear off about what I learned and talking my Gemini and Cancer roommate's ears off when I got back home. <laughs> what I love most is their ability to give all signs a little love, but spill the tea. These guys are... These gals are so smart and funny, and their energy is radiant, even through a podcast. I'm always sitting there imagining myself chatting with them while listening. Keep on trucking and making me laugh, cry, and gasp. Oof. Thanks for all you do. XOXO, a Gemini sun, Pisces moon, cap rising signer. And then the little uh, cherry blossom moon mushroom emoji. Oh. The mushroom emoji has Good one. been... Uh, a great addition to my most used and gotta say love it i mean i love like, a shroom you know someone's a cool chiller when you see the shroom come through it's like the oh shroom we're going the we're truth. going there the truth uh, also it. there's a bunch of really good mushroom instagram pages just oh. yes there are send me uh this next Pure one's shroomer. called i feel like talk or i feel like i'm chatting with 
friends from Leah, please. Started listening to this pod when I first started to dig deep into astrology because I learned best through informal conversation, and I'm so glad I did. Hey, us too. Reading about everything is great, but there's so much anecdotal information I get from listening to these ladies that I couldn't get from Cafe Astrology. Would love to use this opportunity to ask a question, but I can't decide what to ask. This Libra Sun Taurus Moon Virgo Rising loves y'all. Leah Danny on Twitter slash Insta. And that's Leah. Okay, I'll give the shout out if we're doing it. So that's at Leah Danny, and that's L E A H H D A N N Y on Twitter and Insta. Well, you know, if you if you remember that question or what you want to ask, you know, shoot us shoot us a message. Or yeah. I don't know if you're on our Patreon. Yeah. We, we chat a lot there, but uh, you know, I'll give this I'll give this lovely Libra a second shot of the question because what a sweet review. Thanks, Leah Danny. Yes, thank you, Leah. Your next review comes from Grateful Chefs. And it's titled, So Much Fun Learning from These Gals. Newer to my spiritual journey and started the deep dive into astrology. These ladies make it attainable, interesting, and fun. Learning so much about specific pieces of astrology, but also getting so much inspiration with the way they discuss charts and signs and learning to read in a way that's intuitive to you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your gifts and knowledge with the world. Prayer hand, smiley, and the jazz hands emoji. Yes. Thank you so much. Yes. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much for these reviews. Again, they truly warm our hearts. It's so nice to hear uh, your your kind words, and we are overwhelmed every time finding out how much you guys love this podcast. It really does um, make our day. Thank you so much for doing that. If you haven't given us a review, consider it. And also, um, you, you could c- even say whatever you want. I mean, yeah, yeah you, you can, can say you whatever can criti- you want. You can critique. You can, um, I mean, I make reasonable requests and uh, ask questions. Or, like, again, um, these are weird times. We're not precious. We make mistakes. So, like, if you if you see it pointed out but also if you love us uh we'll take that as well so whatever you want to say it just needs to be five stars basically just has to be five stars if you're leaving a not five star review also like i don't know i don't know what to tell you why would you like why would i mean i know what to tell you (laughs) make your bed make your bed clean your room have something to eat i know today's hard on you okay like unless you need if we're out here rating things low stars you know i don't know you know we're having a bad day it's like unless someone's going to be harmed what's the like you know like that's like that's my threshold there like if it's like oh i feel too it's like it's like same with like a restaurant like if you're gonna get poisoned sure but other than that like if it wasn't your cup of tea walk away um maybe we'll have an alternative patreon where we only go through the the weird one star people <laughs> oh that's fun that could be fun that could uh, be fun we could read the, ooh we could like roast them with the the patreon people because i feel like yes. the patreon people are good and are good on that mojo anyway i love it anyways but those aren't you you guys are the best and keep those five stars coming we love it we love you and please enjoy this week's episode What's your sign, baby? What's your sign? What's your sign? 
Welcome to What's Your Sign. I'm Julia Loken. I'm Stevie Anderson. And I'm the selfish little selfie of this podcast. <laughs> Ooh, selfish little selfie. Hello, my little. I'm imagining this. I'm seeing a cartoon character of like a selfie stick that's like, get over me. <laughs> there needs to be an inside out two with a character named selfie stick or something like that. Hi, I'm Selfie that Stick. That would be cute. Oh, Selfie Stick could fuck Stick Stickly from Snick. Nickelodeon, oh, yeah. Man. I have such fond memories of childhood TV, Nickelodeon, Stick Stickly, Summertime. Mm-hmm. I mean. AC blasting. I mean, just <sighs> drinking little Coca-Cola's Snick. I mean, it was great. I mean, I'm hitting you with the nostalgia cords. Fucking cancer season. Why, yeah, why not? Sorry. Obviously, we're we're headed in first. Um, My sister was, uh, I was going to say famously, not famous. It's famous just to me. Um, my sister was born during SNCC at our house. What? Um, <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait what? Yeah, you... she was born born during Are You Afraid of the Dark? What? Like at the That's home? Funny. At the house. My mom had a home <gasps> birth for my sister. Oh my. Did, was she watching it while she popped? Or- well, she's no. I was watching. I was watching Snick in the guest room. Normally not allowed. I don't know why. Or like more, normally I wouldn't watch TV there. Um, but actually, I think at this time Whoa. I went to weird private school, and you weren't allowed to watch TV. I went to Wal- Waldorf right. school. I know we've talked about this. Oh yeah, the faceless dolls. I'm obsessed yes, with exactly. the Waldorf school now, Julia. Anytime, anytime I someone brings it up or I. Like I think I was at a at an astrology cohort's house and they had some Waldorf and stuff and I was like, oh, I know what this is. I mean, it could be really cool, but also not. Anyways, I like I um, like elements of it. Sound like I get. I like a lot of these elements. Some I'm like maybe you could have a, like a Waldorf light or something. Yes, I think there's <laughs> like the your the the motivation is right. It's just the application that gets a little wonky. But I was tell me if to this is TV. true. Sure. In a Waldorf school, you're only allowed to eat walnuts with apples. Yes. <laughs> and grapes. Grapes are allowed. Gorgonzola sometimes. Wow. Okay. Wait. <laughs> only grapes. on high holidays. <laughs> Gorgonzola and walnuts. These are so nice. Yeah. Don't Waldorf you salad. Waldorf salad? It's delicious. Oh, I'm like, what? What is the connection here? I that's my that's a Waldorf I can get behind. You know? <laughs> So wait, so you have a SNCC, so series of So I was allowed to watch TV because Siri was actively being born. Um, But yeah, she was born in in our, in my childhood home. Whoa, cool. Were you home birthed? No, I was a hospital birth and my mom hated it. Mm -hmm. So she was like, nah, next time. Is this the house your parents still live in or different? Yes, that's correct. Interesting. Yeah. My mom, they uh, like kind of moved around to different parts of the house too. My sister's like all over the house. It's very funny. I have, there's like more pictures of me in the home, but my sister is like literally, my mom's placenta is buried in the backyard. What? Like, yeah. Whoa, this is awesome. Yeah. 
Your mom should have yeah, talked. To you. Why didn't your mom tell us this on the Patreon? I'm like, because well, I, I don't know. I think it's so funny. We definitely didn't ask. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, we didn't ask you? about Siri at all. Yeah. yeah, we're like, like where? <laughs> what did also? What did you what do the- with your placenta after the birth of your daughters? Please explain. And do you find it to be an Aquarian trait? And yes, it. And it yes, totally it does. Is. It totally <laughs> is. I just I think I forget how much my mom is like. She's like not a hippie in some ways, but mm. in other ways she really is because she is kind of like not a prude but she's midwestern so she's like there's an uh, element of prudence embedded yeah, in, in all midwestern modest, folk modesty whatever it well is. we like to say um, it's we don't like to showboat that's like mm-hmm. the fr- like i'm not showboating i'm not trying to which is this is really goes now with first housey stuff too like i'm not gonna draw too much oh me you know i'm just i'm part of the i'm part of the world like right like there's like this i think it where America is very individualistic, I think Midwesterners don't lean that way a lot of the time. Salt they, of the earth, very mm-hmm. salt of the earth. Salt goes in everything. They want every like they want harmony, but sometimes it can. Not that it's fake, but I, I've been a Midwesterner. I know sometimes it can come off a little like, no, aren't you like mad or aren't you like? Ta- what's your stance on this? Because you don't have to be like, oh yeah, agreeable. Like yeah, that's not going to make too, not going to ruffle too many feathers. Kind of energy, which is polite, but also I don't know. I, get, I know what you're saying, though. Well, there's yeah, there's just like a, it converge on. I mean, I think on the on the positive side, it's it's polite and it's friendly and it's um, non threatening. And then it converge on passive aggressive or right, uh, right. like repressed, if oh, that makes sense. But totally. I think it's more just like, oh, that's for not not that's for private. But I don't know. Anyways, um, yeah, my sister was born born in the house. My mom, they went in the bathroom for par- part of it. And she like pulled the, you know how the bathtubs have um, sometimes like that soap thing built into the wall. She was like getting up and pulled, ripped that out of the wall. <laughs> Damn, mama strength, birthing yeah. strength. I like this placenta. Did she go do it just like by herself, or was this like no, a they ritual? A lot of people do it. Yeah, there's like a thing where you bury it at some point. They plant. They did it with a tree. There's like mm. a, a a tree planted with the thing, which I believe is a tradition. I don't know what uh like that's denomination or like where that is where that stems from but i know that that is a thing that people do we have that too at my house i don't know if it was our placenta but um (laughs) my mom did remove them like (laughs) like not that long ago i'm like thanks your tree yeah you took my tree out how dare you oh like a family baby tree well, we had them, and it was like me and my brother. You know, they're like growing. Right, uh, one's a little bit taller, and you know, older. Um, but uh, my she took si- them both out. Okay, not just mine. Oh my god! Damn. I, I, <laughs> you guys turned eighteen, and she's like, the trees are chopped <laughs> down. I mean, I don't think my mom did anything like that. The only thing that like immediately pops to my mind is that she kept our dead dog's uh, tumor growths that were like outside of her bo- outside of the dog's body, and kept them in the freezer for a long time. I don't know why. I think once in a while she would go and just dissect them and just like study, like very like Virgo. He'd be like, "What? What are these things that have been on our Shih Tzu this whole time?" And just so we had like Weird. like Bezoar tumors in the freezer for a really long time. Hell yeah! <laughs> so that's like that's the only have... that's only like bodily family, even though it's more like a pet thing that was like around. I remember finding like in my baby book. Uh, like that, the like clip that was on your umbilical cord and being like, I know why you like want to keep that as like a keepsake and also being like, 
you did i'm here you didn't need to keep that <laughs> like <laughs> uh, oh my one of the i think i might have sent it to you guys a long time ago but there is this really good like bad pinteresty placenta art that's like you take the placenta and like freeze it and then it like you spell it like love in cursive and then you put it <laughs> and then you put it up like a wall hanging sort of thing because it's like kind of just brown and woodish like, it almost looks like beef jerky like after after a while so it's like oh a rustic wall hanging but it's like love i love my son brayden so much i must well did you see the uh did you listen to malcolm not the newest one just i'm on the, the I'm first one to the first one the first oh, one yes, it's about all the- about mm-hmm. yeah this is like all what it's about it like placenta hoarding. Yes. Well, the yeah. idea of hoarding and like uh, the idea of collecting and what's the difference kind of thing. And like they present the idea that hoarding is maybe a little bit more beautiful as like oh. they find beauty in every object and meaning in every object instead of someone who was only picking out like the shiniest, um, you know, quarter mm-hmm. or whatever. Whoa. I mean, I'm like genetically a hoarder. I've had to really break hoarder tendencies throughout childhood because my I have a I come from a long line of hoarders my mom's like the only one who kind of broke that cycle but everyone else around is hoarder centric and it is very romantic and very loving and very sweet and also trying to be useful and respectful but then there just comes a time like the emotional break of like my instinct is to save everything like every packaging every like especially boxes of electronics was a real big one I had to like cut the cord, mm-hmm. cut the cord on because there was just this ingrained message that you need you must have them otherwise you're fucked for some reason even if you keep that like so i think there's just traits that you pick up especially from your family that it, it's when it's encouraged and everyone else does it you're like well this is doesn't everyone you know steal napkins and doesn't everyone like take all this stuff um, so I shouldn't send that to my family, is uh, this podcast. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, I mean, listen to it. I think yeah. that it's very interesting. I mean, obviously, I'm not like a journalist like Malcolm Gladwell, so I'm not going to present it in the same way. But also, like, Taurus Mercury, it's going to be pretty short and sweet with me. But I think, like, um, just just like they talk about art and collection mm. and, and right. the idea of keeping things. And, you know, uh, I think it's well explored. Well, and I think that they also talk about in this in this episode, too, it's not just the hoarding, it's the idea of like, because it's in reference to uh, like the Andy Warhol Museum, and they have all of this stuff of his Mm -hmm. that they keep in the museum. It's the largest museum of a single artist in North America. And they have these archives of all these things where it's just like paper from his thing. And they brought up that Andy Warhol was kind of a notorious hoarder. Uh. And so we're keeping these things that even though they maybe were significant to him, they might not be significant in the way that like- To anyone else. To anyone else or with- with the thought that it's like, this didn't necessarily inspire something. He just was a hoarder. Right. And so do we, is, is there beauty in that? Absolutely. But is like a museum supposed to keep every fucking like tissue scrap that someone kept? Is it important enough to, to, mm-hmm. to archive because it belonged to an artist and all, it's those kinds of things too. So I think that it is an interesting, like, yeah, there's I, definitely a lot about the art world in there that's interesting. Well, it's, as well, well Cause, Cause, I love it. I, I straight up, 
when the when the theme music started again and he was like season oh, five revision, I emotion, cried. Emotion I cried. just right, it just hits you right in the face. Oh my god, I was so excited it was back. Okay, I'm listening to this. Uh, this to. Uh, this will be my entry gateway, and I especially I think when it comes to art too, right? Because I think there's hoarding and then there's archiving. Like this is like an archival, even if it's like these tiny things and. I think for me and uh, fellow signer hoarders come through, let us know how you what how you function as a hoarder. But what helped me in an archival sense was because like, I can hoard a lot of T-shirts, like commemorative T-shirts mm, is one I'm same. a big hoarder on. Uh, mugs, just like and notebooks, tons of like notebooks where I'll, I'll maybe do like six pages and then I lose that notebook for years and I never use it, but I don't want to throw it away. So then I've. I've gotten really into like taking photographs of the shirts that I'm about to donate and then like having a folder of like old sh- like old shirts and then the same with like notebooks like scanning it or doing like a like a scanner on my my phone PDF and then say so I'm like digitally archiving the physical stuff I used to hoard so now I just have like now I'm just like hoarding files and hard drives of old physical stuff that's been digitized. Well, uh, I think you'll like the episode. They definitely talk about archiving for a uh, vast majority. Well, like, I would say, like, probably the first 15 minutes is about, like, how and why we have all this stuff and who has seen it and, like, you know, what we have a record of, all that. Well, I, well, I think, it. It, yeah, you gotta li- you gotta listen to it. It's the best podcast. Okay, well, can I, mean, I show you, can I tell you guys what I'm excited about, which you already know yeah. from... My text, you guys, but here's my baby, the soda stream bottle. Um, yeah. Okay. Everyone. Welcome. I don't have a soda well, stream. Okay. <laughs> welcome to. <laughs> welcome to your new life, bitch. And it's, no, straight up, it's changed my life. I'm so, it's one of the best purchases I've ever made, ever made in it's my great. entire, entire existence. Um, I feel like I have an endless supply of LaCroix. It's so cool because I have the droplets mm-hmm. of flavors. So I'm, I'm. I'm having a good time. Been really stuck on cucumber. And before with like drinks and stuff, I know we've talked about like drink speeds. Uh, Before I like, you know, would really savor a LaCroix or like savor a coffee. Since I know the supply is never ending, I am chugging carbonated water from sun sun up to sundown. Like I just I, wait until your first CO two canister runs out. You're gonna have a panic attack. You're gonna I'm be scared. Like, I'm already thinking <laughs> I have to get more of this. And when the uh, that was definitely something I panic bought. When the, I have so many canisters right now, that's when the it, pandemic started. I was like, <laughs> I need CO two. You gotta get some. <laughs> Um, not so many. That's what I'm that's... thinking already. I'm like, because I know you can like, and I'm not sure what the quarantine pandemic policy is, because I know you can take in the can and get it half off. But I'm like, I already want my backup can. Like, I don't want to run out of this can. You're gonna need a backup can. I'm gonna need a ba- right now. Fuck. Okay. And I know what I'm getting. I know what I'm doing right now. Is order it online. Find an online retailer because they're heavy. And, like, you'll think, like, oh, I'll just grab it and Target. Uh, but whenever you're – or wherever you shop, like, whenever you're in there, you're going to have a bunch of other shit and you're not going to want to carry that in. It's mm-hmm, heavy. Mm-hmm. I've been loving it. I If anyone's been on the fence, go for it. And here's the thing. And this is where I'm trying to, like, break that hoardery or savory energy. When I first started, I'd be like, okay, it says three pumps. And I'd taste it. I'm like – I like this thing really pumped. Like I want. Oh, the- I pump it all the way as well. <laughs> I'm shooting this I thing. I pulled it down until. Oh it yeah, just, yeah. I've had a few explosions, uh, but I'm learning. I'm learning. It's vol- we're getting to know each other, and it's a 
it's so good. It's really changed my life. I'm drinking so much more water now. I'm, I don't know if there's really like health differences of being a person that is basically uh, 90% made of carbonated water versus still water, but it seems you like know, it's I've probably fine. I've looked this up so many times. It's the same. Yeah. It's the same hydration. It's the same, but they just say you might be gassy. Mm-hmm. Already there. I'm already there. Yeah, so same. It's like, like I don't need that much meat, so I'm gassy. Um, I feel like I'm never. I yeah. I have not bought a soda stream. I maybe I should though. It's like not even cross. Also, my mind, good gift. Good gift if you want to throw that on a list for someone to mm. get you because it's not like. It's not, like, outrageous to purchase. I don't know why I always thought it was expensive. I always thought it was bulky as well, which it is not. It is very light. At least my it's model so, is very yeah, lightweight. Is and I just I just love the thing. It's really, like, it's truly changed the game. And also just thinking of, like, uh, the amount of cans. And also lugging the cans from the grocery, yes. too. Just the whole experience. I mean, I'm never... I'm not going to turn down the canned drinks when they're there. But this is nice to know that this is my constant. All right, here's my next question. Are you drinking out of the bottle? I have been, and I don't know if that's good or bad. Yeah, it's a six dozen half. But I think that I, I don't drink out of the bottle. I have a couple of hangover mornings been like, just give me a fucking bottle. But um, I think that it's really good. Also, if you like open a can Coke that you don't finish, you can put pour it in that bottle because it seals it. Because it, like, seals it better than, like, a, you know, like a jar or whatever you'd have. That's my only review. That's my only review is I do feel like it is, like, getting any drink on tap. You kind of want to have it in its moment. Like, I've pre-made it and where I'm, like, I'm making my carbonated water and I'm going to drink it later. And I come back and I'm, like, this isn't as good as, like, freshly out-bubbled, freshly in my mouth. So I have been drinking it straight. It's better than leaving it in the t- like. If you crack open a beer, drink half of it, and pour it in that thing, and leave it in the fridge, it's better than leaving a can in the fridge, in my opinion. Mm. I, I don't think it gets as flat. Mm. That's good. To know. Yeah, it's some like good twisty, twisty keepers. I'm also like I've been pushing my sparkling water agenda on Pablo, and he politely says no often. So I'm also like I'm the only one drinking this thing. So I just kind of go yeah. rogue and just been chugging it. I'm really. Maybe I just pushed it too hard. I've been like, come on, just try this. I even bought you grapefruit. That's your favorite flavor. I don't really like it that much. But I bought like, I have watermelon, I have lime, I've got cucumber, I have all these little bottles. I'm like, I like the potionry of it. Mm -hmm. It's just honestly fun. Uh, I think there's something in this. I had this written down as a, like, I was like, I gotta save this for a cast, like, stoner boner question. And I think, I wonder if this may be, I don't know if these will be related or not. But I think that there is something in the, like, craving of... I'm very interested in cravings right now and what mm. they say about our mental state. Ooh. And so my uh, my stoner boner question that I wrote down was, <laughs> do you think that... First of all, my question would be to you guys, do you do you lean towards a salty craving or a sweet craving? Uh-huh. And then question B would be, do you think that those are related to the kinds of like self love you are craving or oh. you, you either deny yourself or need Like, I, I'm not sure which one I think it maybe could fluctuate between like what you need, what you prefer or what you are denying yourself. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm just interested in this idea of 
the kind of things that you crave being reflective of the energetic emotional things Did that I we are craving. Tell Whoa. you about the mushrooms. Yes, or I mean, I don't know, but I don't know if you I don't know if you said it on air or if you just told us in the text. Yeah, so I was like going really hard on mushrooms for a while <laughs> and like wouldn't not eat them. Like I was eating them every day. Regular and, mushrooms, not psychedelic. Yeah, right. Well, who knows? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but also, like, I'm a person that because I was, um, I didn't eat meat for a long time. I am eating it again right now. But because I didn't, uh, a lot of the times I would be craving cheese or nuts or something. And I would, like, always be Googling, like, what does it mean if you can't stop eating nuts? Or, like, what does it mean if you can't, like, if you're always craving, like, avocado, what the fuck is that? Like, mm-hmm. and it, you know, it's usually pretty obvious, like, you, you don't get enough whole fats or, you know, you, you need iron or something, like, it's usually related to not eating meat. Um, and so it's just a habit I have now when I'm, like, finding myself really consistently eating the same thing, I tend to look it up. And one of them was mushrooms, and it said that it was one of the um, the oldest organisms that hasn't really changed or evolved that much since we've discovered them. So it's, it poses that you're craving uh, stability, oh. which I thought was interesting because it was at a time, especially during the pandemic, when we were getting new news every day and things were changing all the time. And I, I did kind of feel a little bit like I was craving stability, and it resonated um, as far as salty sweet, I am, and I think this is a very Venus and Gemini, um, I am always craving whichever one I did not have last. Whoa. So if I just had salty, I'm craving sweet. And if I just had sweet, I'm craving salty. And I think that's the same for my self-love tactic. So if someone was just a little hard on me, I'm going to need the next person. I'm going to ask the person who always goes easy on me. Or if I talk to the person who kind of took it easy on me, I'll ask like the person who like gives it to me the straightest. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, this is what I imagined it was. And I was trying to think of what the, well, I'm sorry to cut you off. Steve, because no, I, do no. want to hear, I do want to hear yours too, but I'm, I'm interested because I feel like your yours is very Venusian. And that to me was like the the instinct that I went with of like what would rule this, but also I don't know. I also think it could be Martian or Saturnian or anyway. So yeah, I, I, think, a, I have a lot to say about Mars. We'll get to him later. Well, there's yeah. like a lot of ritual. I, at least for, I, I think of like food having like a lot of ritual, and also like because this might go there, like trigger warning, probably disordered eating and probably uh, emotional eating and. All this, all the things. Um, life as a as a human on Earth, uh, especially as a woman. So I think what foods do I crave? I've definitely, I've never craved sweet. I always crave salty. I always crave savory. I'm always want rich. I always want dinner. I want. Uh, I just want something that's like, like, like a performance, like over the top. Like I want big. Um, and sweets, I like rarely ever want. I never have like I really never have like much of a sweet tooth. But I've been thinking a lot about doshas because I think we talked about it on our live Q and A. I did the uh, Ayurvedic session with Sarah, and I'm obviously earth water as fuck and retain water easily, get bloated easily, do all that stuff. So like I, it, it makes sense that I lean towards earthy, hearty, mushy, soft, warm like a warm hug food. But like I have. A, I'm already there. You know what I mean? Like I'm, 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 I'm there. So I need to like 
what can bring me back to center versus lean all the way into all the stuff that I love. And I feel like it's very Venusian and Cancerian. Well, I think Lisa has some of that air energy with Gemini and Aquarius that might want a little more like, uh, I don't know, there's like a little more thought to it. I think mine just is always rooted in I every time I'm sad, I eat this. Every time I'm home alone, I eat the nastiest shit by myself. And lately in quarantine, since I've had a lot more I'm at home by myself or I'm at or I'm at home with, you know, just my partner, which feels like being home by myself of like, oh, I could do these patterns that are feel like I'm home and comfortable and I'm not doing anything. But those were always times of like rush and busy then mixed with like, OK, you have alone time. It's time to be really comfortable. It's time to eat like canned box mac and cheese ravioli pasta like always pastas always like cheesy stuff uh and now like being home more being grounded in my like in my space I don't feel like uh, I haven't been leaning towards that as much I've been trying to just find more balance and trying to be like I'm always gonna eat carbs I'm always gonna eat cheese but now it's like okay it's done it doesn't have to be tied I'm trying to really break the treat element of like oh you've had what a day time to like indulge in this or like oh you're alone like a lot of secret eating like like oh mm-hmm. you're alone time to this i've also like again trigger warning have dated people and have had family members who are like you ate what you ate this do you know how many calories are in that and it's like you know that builds up so you're like fuck i'm gonna start eating in secret i mean i was a person too that would you know go to a, a food place and order two things eat one in the car bring it back home and be like i got our other food like and i already ate like a secret meal yeah i've done that mm-hmm. same which many, I th- many times yeah which i think same same which i think every you know that's like it's not abnormal but like i would do it all like a lot because i also i should be allowed to if i want to eat a double meal i can eat a double meal but not have to feel examined Shame. so i think there's a lot of yeah. like comfortable private this is my thing. This is my ritual. I don't want to explain it. This is how I like it. And don't ask me any fucking questions. So um, I don't know if that answered the question or what the second part was. Well, I think it's I think it's all of it. I just was wondering if there was any kind of more consistent, like, because I think it will probably change for everybody. Mm-hmm. And especially if you have any kind of disordered eating, which I'm sure we all do. Um, not like we all as the listeners, but I, I absolutely. We, am, well, we might yeah, all. I think we might we all. all I think we all have, <laughs> to a point. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Where I'm like, I know, I know. I, I think that my eating disorder things are things that I've kind of really, um, I've just kind of taken as like, oh, well, this is just like how you eat, right. whatever. And I haven't even begun to unpack all of the like ways that it has really had a huge influence in my life and how the like choices I've made not like I I, well I was about to say not like major choices but I think sometimes very major choices I can't think of what it is but I'm like I know if I really if I it's something that I haven't quite unpacked to the extent that I that I know that I need to but that's like I'm like oh that's I guess and maybe that's why it's on my mind because it feels like it's an upcoming thing where I'm like oh I'm gonna have to address this and mm-hmm. and do with it because it is so much about how we nurture ourselves and uh all that so I guess it also could be where your where your moon sign is at too I think it it's just hard I guess 
I'm interested in in the ways, not necessarily that it shows up in in your chart, because I don't think it's it's necessarily useful to just attribute it to one thing, because I think it is is a combination of a bunch of different things. Um, but just these ideas of like, how do we, what is it that we're looking for when we're looking to like soothe, and is it something that we're lacking, or is it something that we want, mm-hmm. like? more of I don't know or if or people like I'm it'd be interesting to I guess note astrologically of like I think there's some people who you know obviously do the opposite of like not like re- like like restricting food or um or it's not even or it's more centered in exercise um you know like oh, I'll mm-hmm. do all this but then I'll like counterbalance it with like exercise addiction or like whatever that is um no even going through these first house stuff like and thinking about like how will this planet live in this house and then thinking about my own and like, wow, if I had my moon here in this first house, would that be like very different than if I had it where it is in the 10th house? And yeah, of course, it, like, of course it would be. Um, but I think, no, yeah, I think there's definitely, I think there's a lot of family history tradition and also even having access to food and having food scarcity. Like there's mm-hmm. like, there's so much, there's so much there. I mean, I was telling my therapist cause like my mom's house is, it was like a normal like '90s kids house. Like wasn't like a totally spoil yourself. But like my, my dad, like I, I was telling my therapist, yeah, like my dad, we'd eat ramen all from one pot together. Like me, my brother, my dad, we he put three packets of ramen and we'd eat for one pot, or we'd drink out of these salsa jars, or we'd do this. And then after like talking for a while, and I'd be like, we'd cram all this food and then we'd go home because we knew we couldn't cram like. Or we, or no, no, it's opposite. We cram food at my mom's house and then when we at my dad's, we we didn't cram as much and she'd be like oh, so was there scarcity of food at your dad's? And I was like, well, now that I think about it, <laughs> when you put it like that, yeah, I guess that was, I guess he was poor. Like, it just seemed fun. Like, that was like, oh, my God, it's so fun that we're eating, you know, these 80-cent ramen packets out of one pot as a family. But it's also like, oh, maybe my dad should have had bowls and, you know, and spoons and, and things like that. What? But I think it's those things that, Again, as a kid, I thought that eating tradition was very like, like don't other people do? Don't other people do this together? So I think there's a lot in terms of like that history thing, and then also, yeah, like what you're saying, soothing. Where do you lean? Are you salty? I, are we sweet? Or where are we? Hang on, what, Lisa? No, it's okay. I was I'm, just gonna say that, yes. like, um, I think it's kind of a testament to the power of will that we have as as humans and as parents for other people. That's something I definitely saw in my dad when he was sick with dementia was like, dude, I know that you don't know who I am. You can just admit it. But like, Mm. it's like this idea that we try to put it on. And especially I think in front of children where it's like, this is how it goes. And it's kind of this testament to like the will of someone to be like, make it feel okay. Mm hmm. And, and that, like, you were able to feel okay, that's, like, still really Yeah, there's like, a, there's, like, an interesting balance, right, of, like, I think kids also are really aware. Like, even if they're more subconsciously aware, they're aware where I think sometimes a lot of the things that have been coming up for me is, like, I kind of wish I just knew more of the truth. But then also, yeah. like, I understand how that's complicated as fuck to tell kids the truth when you don't even know what's going on sometimes well and so i think some people don't even know what the truth is for themselves because what i was gonna say is that thing of like oh well that also is reflective i think all of it is reflective of everything because it is also like maybe that was your dad's idea of like well i want us to feel 
I want us to feel like a family, like we're sharing something. So the way that I'm thinking of that is that we all literally eat from this same container Mm -hmm. and we do this and this is what I can give you as opposed to, oh, this is what this is. So it's also like, this is how I nurture, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody always talks about that whenever you watch food shows or whatever, that they're like, this is how you, this is how I serve. This is how you can show someone that you care what all of those kind of to me seem seem kind of cliche and loaded because I do have such <laughs> disordered eating habits or whatever but I I generally lean sweet you know I'm an ice cream bitch uh, and it's and <laughs> oh it's yeah sweet. I watched that amazing it's, history of ice cream with Lindsay Adams on big <laughs> stuff with Lindsay thoroughly enjoyed that discussion as I've also felt if I do go sweet it's it's for ice cream baby it's sweet. It's from the container. It's all of it. Oh, the container present again. But, but when I think about that is that I'm very restrictive a lot of the time. I'm like very, my pattern is restrict hardcore and then binge. And my uh, Venus conjunct Saturn and Uranus. So it's also like those quick changes mm. of like, uh, I want to, I want to overdo it or I want to do none of it. Uh, but it's all of these, like, I think it is generally, I think it's generally sweet. And I think it's generally the things that I, I do not think that I allow myself a lot of sweetness mm. in my, in my self-talk in my, which is something that I'm definitely working on, but also it's, yeah. Whoa. I mean, I think that's like a very cap to Libra switcheroo too, in terms of like, at least with your big three where it's, it, it is that Saturn restriction. And then it's, I mean, I feel like every Libra I know is a sweet tooth. I don't know. Like, I feel like they're all candy people. I feel like they like the gourmet candy as well. Like not just like Snickers, right? Like it's like, Oh, we're going to the, the cool fancy candy shop and like, and going for it because, but again, it's like, it's that balance. It's like, could you have some, like a like we can put sugar in our coffee we can do these things like it's I think uh the attention to detail or like the awareness of it all is also like really fascinating because I think I think and again not to like fully gender it but I think most women have had to think about this during their lifetime um especially for us millennial women where I don't we were definitely not raised during a body positive time uh during junior high nor high school nor in I mean, barely even now, like we're just kind of just kind of getting started with saying like, okay, you don't have to like be a calorie counting bitch or like even growing up in high school was like when fat was bad, like just fat free, ugh, the worst cookies on earth, like just the most disgusting fat free shit. And it was like, I don't know, the language of it all is also really shifted in, in terms of like, just do what like, it's fine. Just do whatever what balance you out, which is why I'm interested in Ayurveda because it is so much of just like it's like intuitive eating, basically. It's just like, does that make you feel like shit or not? Yes, well, or no. that's but that's also so hard to get to the that place, the root of, or like that. I guess that's maybe why I'm interested in it too because I do feel like I want what I'm craving most is an intuitive kind of thing where it's like, this is what I this is what my body needs to function and this is what I want to feel good. And where do those intersect? Because sometimes you eat in a way that doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like it's feeding either of those things in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do we find that? What, what things do we have to kind of like address and get out of the way to really get to what it is that you need? Well, I, I think that for me, I experience 
eating so much more frequently than most people do because I serve food and I Mm. am constantly around people that are eating and I have been for a long time. And I think that, um, for some people, like it does not manifest in their habits as far as what they eat and stuff. Like I can tell, I guess I can't really tell you, but like I can, sometimes I can tell like this person liked the food. They just want to be mean to me. Mm. Like sometimes I can, even if they don't finish it or whatever, like I can just tell that like, so it's like, I don't know if it's the idea that you're mad that you can't finish this because you're on a diet or like your whole, it's like about your body image or who you're eating in front of. So you're going to like take it out on your server or or order another drink or like you can sometimes tell by the way people say things that you're like oh this is not about like the service or this yeah. is not about the food this is like something else and so I think that like there are like a lot of emotions and stuff tied into food and tied into like food service obviously but there's so many factors for me when I'm working in it that I can't process all of them mm-hmm. fast enough to be like this is this or you know I'm mm-hmm. also convinced most people like I don't know if anyone here watches Kitchen Nightmares. Highly recommend the YouTube clips. But I'm convinced also like when these chef like you know Gordon Ramsay's like yo this this shit's like molded and rotted and disgusting and like these dudes take a bite and they go ah I like that like it tastes it tastes oh, fine to me lying. and I think I think a lot of I think palates. I think most of my, uh, I'm also like feeling like very like uh, anti-patriotic, like a hardcore as fuck during this whole f- fucking existence as, <laughs> as here as an American this summer. So I'm just, I'm convinced Americans dress bad, have shitty food palates, and they don't want like a dining experience all the time. They want to, usually they want a place to get drunk and be their worst Stream selves. Their yeah. They just want a place uh, to be their drunk and be their worst selves. And I don't know. I know a lot of, I'm not, I'm never, you're never going to hear me say that Americans don't have the pal. I like have too many chef friends and too many, like we have a ton of Michelin stars. That oh no, the chefs. Yes. The, cu- the consumer, I think you could yeah, put like Alpo out and they'd be like, Oh, I don't know. I just want my burger. Like, it's just again, it, it's the I same think with there the, is that for sure. I think it's the same with dining. Like everyone wanting to rush and dine in right now. It's like, do you is this the experience of dining you're searching for? Because it seems like not pleasant at all. Well, at all. I think it. I think it speaks to the American individual opinion based um, mentality as opposed to having um, a tradition or an expertise-based mentality that maybe, because I think there it, it is slightly, we can't be like, oh, Europe is so great because it's problematic and colonial. And, oh, and totally. Everywhere, everywhere on earth has been bad. But it is, I do think that there is something American about like, well, if I like it, that means it's good. As opposed to saying, oh, well, there's like, experts in this that like have devoted their life to learning about these kinds of things that like know what there is also I think something to say like it kind of especially when it comes to food where it's like it kind of doesn't matter if you like it then that's what you like we can't maybe put an umbrella term of saying like this is gourmet food Mm -hmm. but also if you if that's the kind of stuff that you like that's that's what you like who the fu- and who the fuck cares because it's about nourishing your palate and your 
uh, your body and all of that. Again, there are things that we can say are, that are like objectively unhealthy or objectively uh, like low status or whatever, but it, it, we get into all of these things of like, it's just, to me, it's all reflective of how much when we talk about anything, we're talking about fucking everything because we can't talk about food without talking about, about uh, like gender or class or race mm-hmm. Or all of these things and what comes with everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, I mean, I've very, been, very stoner boner. I've been sent the like uh, the TikTok people, like the workers at Panera, like showing how the macaroni and cheese gets made, which I find delicious. Also, by the way, like again, I as stated up top, from the Midwest, have a very microwavable <laughs> palate. Like I, I know what that is, but I guess it's like I think, uh, yeah, when you get into like rich history of food, it's like I think most people just want something hot in front of their face and not much discernment as what that yeah. hot thing is. And going back on my Ayurveda thing, what was cool in terms of it being similar to astrology was kind of going through the things like, oh, as a kid, I didn't, I don't ha- I didn't have a meat tooth. Like I never wanted meat growing up. And it's like, oh, because I have relatively slow digestion because I'm an earthy, watery person. That's interesting that that breaks down. Like having those things be um, recognized sort of like the same in astrology where it's like, I don't know if I can even give you remediation, but I can say those things you felt about the way you've taken in the environment or food or even even the spaces you eat in, like being in somewhere that's loud versus being somewhere that's quiet. Having that kind of like seen and validated, I was like, oh, this is like very astrology-esque and interesting because I feel so foreign to it and that I'm not re- – like I don't – I'm interested but I don't know much. Uh, and I think – I mean I guess that's like how anything starts with like a love of astrology or any science or tarot or mysticism. So no, I like this – I mean I'm I'm a stoner born – stoner born question me all day, baby. Keep them, keep them coming. Well, that's a okay. Well, here's mine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I find that since we're talking about the self, we're talking about the first house. Yeah, um, I, I, which I guess is yes. obvious by now. Um, <laughs> Read the episode description, I, everybody. Well, I, think, I don't know because we have not <laughs> discussed yeah. it. <laughs> well, I but found yes. that um, over the last, I guess, like three months, um, I have been trying to unlearn a lot of self-focus I think this is a very interesting time for this episode because Mm -hmm. we have been um working towards some collectivist goals as far as the spread of the coronavirus and as far as the Black Lives Matter movement and obviously all social justice movements tied with that um including but not limited to we won't get into it the assaulting and stand-up comedy um so in our um, first house yeah. <laughs> right so um one of the things that i've been trying really hard to do especially being back at work is not focus on myself trying to mm. not because if i start thinking about if one of these people gives me the coronavirus i will have a panic attack and i will not be able to complete my shift so the entire time it's Focusing on what do you need? What can I get you? What is, you know, what would you like? Can I help you with anything? Let's just not stop moving. Let's just keep going. And, you know, it's 14,000 steps in six hours. It's a lot more than I've been doing uh, regularly at all. Um, But I found that I feel a bit better when I'm not 
focusing on myself. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what y'all think about that. If you have a similar, if you've had a similar experience over the last three months, if you have not, if you, I mean, I also in whole sign will have a a first house stellium. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it's, you know, related to that. So I put, I actually today, this is like insane how long this took me. Finally saved both of your charts to my fucking astro.com uh, thing. So I pulled that right, right the fuck up. And so in terms of like distracting one's attention away from yourself. I don't uh, think it's distraction. I think it's genuine, like, let's not focus on me. Like a a block, like Jane. Like, like let's let's work on other people. Let's like mm, not you know not yeah. be self focused. So looking, I guess like, not that you're really asking for interpretation, but since I have it, it I think since there is, it's interesting, right? Because you have all of this tourist stuff. Obviously, tourist stuff. I'm just thinking like the communication elements pop up to me, and going off the Placidus system, it would be in your twelfth house that I think is going to go. Like, this is an institution that's bigger, and I'm just, like, I'm in it. There's no out. So let's just, like, I'm fun. Like, it is, like, that, I think that Neptunian, right, that Piscean, like, I'm just floating. We're doing this. And then the Taurus is also always going to trudge and do a job. Like, that, like that's, like, what kind of what we're known for is just, like, putting our head downs, charging forward and going, fuck everyone. I can't, if I start thinking about the actuality of all this, I'll just get mad and angry and pissed off at everything. So I can't. And, but it's interesting in Placidus, since their first house is more Gemini too. I think that is taking into consideration, keeping busy with like communication or like, I don't know, like keeping like this, the interactions going might be a channeling way to go away from oneself is to like go into others or going to that learning or going into that bouncing back and for that Gemini kind of stuff. I've been doing like the opposite. So this is why I think it's interesting because obviously we have some crossover, Lisa and I like in terms of signs, but we do have different, you know, placements and different um, houses. So I think I, since my first house ruler is cancer, cancer and I'm, that's, you know, if I look to the moon, my chart ruler, that's Aries and that's self. Like I've been, I've been doing the complete opposite where I'm like, fuck, I can't even, and I've also had the luxury as a freelancer to go, I fu- like fuck everyone else right now because I've I've been out here by myself, and uh, I'm alone. I'm alone right now, and that's okay. Like I'm gonna be alone. I'm going full hermit mode. But when you're in something that is more he- person involved, and you're not giving that out, you're just gonna have to survive. And surviving is trudging through, and that kind of disassociating, and then also talking to people and moving. Like let's just move. Like let's keep. Don't talk to me about what's going on. Let's just talk about what's act, like what we're doing right here versus going too inward. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's like the vibe. Yeah. I guess the vibe I would sense in terms of dealing with people right now. I yeah, I feel like and as a Libra first house person, um, I think that I do both things where it just it's dependent on what it what the situation is is calling for and I've def- I feel like I've done some of both where some of it where if I am getting too much in my own head that and that can be as I'm also back at work and it's a little bit different because it's it's doesn't I think that's that is like one of the examples where it's like oh I'm I I have a job to do right now and so I there this isn't the time to be thinking about what my like 
emotional state is like because it kind of doesn't fucking matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I find myself spinning too far the other way, then it's like, okay, well, what can I do right now? What can I do? Is there something that will make me do I need to do something? Do I need to do some chores or something that will bring me back to this this present moment right now that will stop me from spinning out too far and and getting into things that I have no control over? And I think it is that like balance, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Again, like to I, do the thing. But I think it makes I think it makes sense for everybody's first house and it depending on where I think for you Lisa because you have the that the like the example chart where it's like it could go either way depending on house system that we're using where it's like are we attributing this to 12th house or are we attributing it to first house and in which 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 house system are we using to me it makes sense for you in in all of them because I think that there is like Stevie said that Taurus idea of like there's a job to do I just need to kind of push through and whatever, whatever gets me to that moment works. But also that Gemini idea of like, well, what's the other side of this? What's the reflection period? If it's, if it's leaning too far one way, I need this other thing that kind of brings me into this present moment. So I think that, um, I, I do think I'm getting worse at astrology and better at it. (laughs) Um, but I do, I do think that the 12th and the first, um, blend together very well. And I I think all of the houses do actually, but, um, I think that it's very evident. And, and for me specifically, it's not just at work. I find that I do better. Um, when one of the things that I tend to do when things go wrong is blame myself. And oftentimes it's not my fault. And so that leads to negative self-talk and that leads to a lot of, you know, uh, self-esteem issues and other things. Um, but, um, you know, I think some people are very good at blaming others and, and I actually don't respect people that do that. You know, I think that when people just blame the world for all their problems, I'm like, ugh. so there is, you know, a finding a balance in between the two, finding the truth in between the two stories or whatever. But I also think that we've seen this kind of 12th house, first house poll in the movements that have been very successful in the last, you know, maybe 10 years or so, as long as I've been like aware of social justice and, and like, you know, really a part of the, I guess, a fully informed adult or whatever. Um, but I think that like, we found that like with the Me Too movement and with the Black Lives Matter movement and with a lot of like, with the 2016 election, I think is a good example is like, Making generalizations about people, telling people what they should do, those kind of things don't work. What works is sharing a personal story, being honest, and and talking about what has happened in a way that makes people understand it. And so I think that's very first house, but it's also this idea that what you do can affect every other facet of, you know, one person's death inspired a huge, huge movement. And no, it wasn't like, you know, maybe it was a, a... a combination of fate. And of course, a lot of other people's names have come up now because of George Floyd. And of course, a lot of other things, and it's made people more of what more aware, but seeing this personal story and the video and all of this thing, and in one instance, in one moment, it can have that ripple effect. So I think it's, it, it is kind of a push and pull with that 12th and first, you know, do I make this change because it makes me feel better? Or do I make this change because, you know, it makes the world better? 
Mm-hmm. Well, I was listening to the astrology podcast about the houses before we were doing this as a revisiting, and they brought up something called, this is going to be super technical, but it's it's exactly what you're talking about. And it's it made me think of what we normally associate, the way that we, I think, in like more modern astrology, because it's so psychologically based, um, we associate the houses as like in the quadrants or these things, but they talked about something called angular triads, which is the the three houses that are associated with each of the angular houses, which is houses four, one, four, seven, and 10. And the angular triad for the first house is 12, one, and two. And it's because you can't, uh, like, and so then it would be three, four, and five go together, uh, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 go together. And I think it's exactly what you're talking about, where it's like this idea of, our idea of self really only comes, like, we can't put it together with one, two, three, because I mean, we can in the progression of it, but it is more what you're talking about when you really create a sense of self. It's because you feel connected to that like spirit idea. And the, the, even looking at the physical chart when it's like 12th house and first house, the ascendant is right there. It's where like spirit, uh, other world meets very real physical world it's like you, you, a person are the combination of like heaven and earth or however, however you want to put it, not in necessarily like religious terms, but it is that thing of like the most effective way to be a person is to acknowledge you're part of a collective. You're not in charge of the collective. You're not, you aren't telling people it's specific instructions, but you're saying, I know that my personal experience in in this or like uh, the way that I interact with the world is something that can also speak to something larger about how we all interact with the world. And while that might not be your experience, you can understand it the same way. Cause you're like, Oh, well, I don't have the same, uh, like I don't live in the same physical space as you, but I can understand that feeling and I can understand how that made me feel about my place in the world and all of those things. So I think that that is exactly what it is, uh, to be, aware of your like first house self and how it plays into these other things. Cause it's not dogmatic. It's not in telling people that you have to do these certain things. It's saying we all have our own individual experience, but that individual experience is part of the world. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that made any sense because <laughs> yeah, it felt very rambly, it, but it definitely made sense. Well, and I, sure. well, especially like in this, since all, you know, whether you're doing Placidus, whole sign, or something else, these shifts are all going to be usually like the like the house next door, right? So, like, it's I think it's worth looking at both and thinking, ha- like, handling this situation in this terms or in that terms, because it's all going to color the same picture. It's like, especially the houses near each other, I think, are naturally going to bleed into the valleys and themes that are there. But I think looking at this Taurus Gemini switcheroo where it's like okay well if i look at this first house ruler which in whole sign would be taurus and then go to venus which would be gemini or if i just go off this placidus which would be gemini and then i go back to Taurus, like it's it's like kind of all circulating and i think both are gonna just do it and thinking for me which is going to be more secular with aries and cancer i'm like i like i'm like a i'm like a flight risk like i don't think i can because i think i'd actually might like personally chew someone out or kill someone or like or go back well, into I myself. Think for you, they both are they both are um, like act. 
action-based things. So yeah. it's like for you, the way that you're going to, yourself is going to be, I'm going to do something. It might be fight, it might be flight, but I'm going to do mm-hmm. something. I'm going to, it's like the starting energy. It's not the like sitting energy. It's not the, the, uh, trudging. It's not the like by the book. It's like, I'm going to start something. Mm-hmm. Well, I think too, with the first house, um, being, you know, traditionally kind of ruled by Mars, I think that there's a tie there as well. Right. Um, and, and it can be natally or, you know, just with Mars and Aries. Like, I definitely have I an aversion to Mars. I don't know why. I think it was from, like, maybe a, like, seventh grade, like, science class. Like, I don't know why. I just fucking don't like Mars. And so I've been trying to do a lot of work on that in my life and, like, being very aware of like days of the week that are ruled by Mars. Like let's fuck around and do some Mars like rituals. Let's like do whatever. And honestly I feel like Mars is really fucking up my life. <laughs> uh, I have a bone to pick with Mars. <laughs> um, I do feel like he's a, he's kind of an asshole. And I think that um, in, in like the core of ourselves in our first house, we all are fucking a little bit of an asshole. And I also think, because I haven't until this episode kind of tied that Mars energy in with the first house. Some people have Mars in the first house. I don't. Mm -hmm. But I do think that there is a bit of me where myself and my instinct, it is a little bit Aquarius, which is my Mars sign, Mm -hmm. where I'm like, ugh, like, if someone tells me to do something, like, my first fucking thought is like, no. Like, I don't care. Just I don't. Like, no, I'm not bringing your fucking tiki kula. Like, I don't want to. And there's no reason why, except for I'm just, like, being rebellious. And I think that's fun, because I have Mars in in, um, Aquarius. But I also think that, like, Mars, like, especially, like, certain things that I've, like, asked for in working with Mars. Or, like, I do a lot of yoga, and since it's physical body, I'll say, like, I'm going to work on this practice, like, just thinking about Mars. Just thinking about energy, just thinking about what runs through me. And um, some of the things that come out of me, I'm like or have come out of that work, I'm like, God damn it. Like, why'd you do it this way? Like, I don't like it this way. Like, can we just go like, I think Mars, it's like this straight path. It's like that. Well, this is what we're doing. Like, here we go. And I'm like, I don't like that. I want it to be like exactly the like little weaving meadow that I wanted to go on and like, have it be like this easy, some like walk. And you're like, Nope, we're going like fucking shooting up to the top of the hill. And it's like, well, okay. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's just, I'm, I'm a bit more Taurus and people who have more Mars energy and more cardinal energy and stuff, they might love it that way. So if you do do that kind of stuff, but for me, I'm like, back off, dude. <laughs> like, I'm good. Like, Well, and your Mars too, I think is maybe like, I think Mars is going to be where we look for that knee jerk reaction. Right. And I think Aquarius, I don't think that's one you necessarily go knee jerk reaction. I think it really does value thoughtfulness, uh, attention to detail, good ideas uh not just like we're going for it like i think it will go for it in in different types of inventive ways but it's fixed air it does want things to be uh presented well it wants it to be thought through it wants it to be authentic so i could see like there that is like a very different energy than i think mars is just like you know stereotypical like i'm just going where aquarius is like where are we going why are we going do you feel like y'all's mars is very tied to your first house or not closely (laughs) 
I have Mars in the first if we're going Placidus, and it is still in the first even if you're doing whole sign by aspect. It would be a separating aspect, but I'm zero degree Scorpio, so I feel very first house um, Mars, whatever it is, because it feels very like concentrated. Um, I feel thi- I feel things very physical. I like to physically do things. That's like my when I feel the most um, out of like out of body I have to like do so it the way to get back into that is definitely by physically doing some physically energy emoting all of that kind of stuff um and also I just feel like that is um a way that I feel well because first house is how you you know it's where your ascendant is. It's how we present to the world. It's how we uh, how we come off. And I definitely feel like I am a reflect not a reflection of me, but I'm like I take I take myself seriously in that way for better or worse. And also, I feel like I am the agent of of the things. I have to, I I want to be the one to do it. I want to be like in, in the action, so to speak. Mm. It's so interesting what you both are saying about first house stuff. Cause I, I did, and we'll get to it, but I did jot down the plant, like just my gut feelings of like the planets in there, um, or the, what am I saying? Yeah. The planets in, in the first house. But so for me, I have a 12th house Mars, but in whole sign it's first house. So I've like looked at both and I feel very both, uh, <laughs> like with cancer, um, cause I think, again, I think 12th and first can be like, yeah, that checks out. Yeah. I feel, uh, I'm definitely like aggressive. I think like, I, I think I'll definitely start fights and like say shit and defend myself and, um, go like, I'm not, I'm really not afraid to stir a pot or like call something out. But also I think then when I do it, I feel disgu- like sick. Like, I, I'll do it, and then I'm immediately like, oh, fuck, I shouldn't have, like, why did I stir the pot? Like, I'd, can't you just take a fucking back seat, bitch? Like, and so I think it's, like, truly that first and 12th house that was like, oh, I wanted to see the pot stirred, so I did it. Um, it or something called out or something brought to attention. But then I also, uh, confrontation makes me feel, like, like physically nauseous sometimes as well. Like, or, like, I can – I'm very cancer – very Cancer Mars, regard like either or with twelfth or first, um, but I think I, I can I, I feel it for both. I do I feel the Mars energy. I think since being a Venusian person, it's not like I don't feel drawn to Mars, even though it's so close to my. It's probably the clo- the closest sign to my rising. Um, so I'm learning to love Mars. I think Mars also again like online, it gets that rap of being this ass, being this asshole, being this instigator. But I think when you kind of boil it down to like neat like that that uh that venus needs but like i'm serious like i think i like what julia said of like taking oneself seriously because i think that is a very like first house mars kind of energy it's like i'm not saying this for fluff like i'm i really believe in like what i'm putting out there and uh for better or worse and again this can all be influenced by the sign too and the aspects and all of that stuff but I do think that Mars is very powerful and I think that, but I do also think that it is definitely a more specific than, um, the way I guess, I think even more than other planets. Like I find that maybe Mercury is quite specific, Mm -hmm. but I feel Venus, there are 
many, many adjectives we give. Sun, there's so many adjectives we give. There's moon, endless, you know, Jupiter, endless. It's But then Mars, it's like, no, we're these. Fast, like, aggressive, yeah. body, like, mm-hmm. sex, fighting. I like, mean, it is straight. Quicker, like, more energy charged, like, things. Absolutely. I think it does want, an, like, no matter what house or sign, I think it does want immediacy and truth. Uh, or like, or like, I'm what a, truth I would put in there, but I think it wants action and immediacy and and yeah, I guess it depends physicality. On I think it just wants to know what are like, what is what's going on, solution, like, yeah, like or direction, a goal, a, a target, a uh, a directive, yeah, like Ven- like, like Venus gets together and has the group project, and then Mars like, when's the deadline? What time are we doing this by? I want to do this part of the project. You're better at. I can tell you're already better at this part of this project. So let's do. I so I think it, it. They just really go think. Yeah, well, Venus flutters around like a butterfly. That Mars has that hook going straight out, and it just wants to go to wherever it's going as soon as possible. Um, but again, depending on your aspects and signs. Uh, the first house, just to, I guess, give like a broad definition or for astro style describes the first house as ruling self appearance, beginnings, the body, first impressions, attitude, identity, and one's approach to life. It's, I mean, it's the first, it just depends on, you know, what kind of, um, I think approach you want to take to it, but it is really the, if we're if we're going to go more traditional or more like literal, it is the only house that is literally about just us. Mm-hmm. So it is like whatever's there, even if you don't have any planets there, you, there's still a, a sign ruler um, and you still have a self. It doesn't matter, you know, whether there are points there, you know, we discussed this in our empty, empty houses, myth busting episode. Um, but the first house is like how you, how you are. Mm-hmm. How you present to the world. It might not be how you feel. It might not be how you what you identify with as who you are. But it is going to be, you know, what the what the world sees of you. What what uh, the way that you kind of like physically inhabit the world. Again, those can be at odds with what we're trying to do or how we feel about ourselves and what we think we're there. That's why I think it's super interesting that it's kind of that triad of like the twelfth and the second because it is like here's us. Here's how we kind of like feel about how everyone thinks about us, which is how I feel like the 12th is what we think people think of us. And then how we actually are is our first house. And then our second house is kind of like what we do because of how we feel about ourselves or like a reflection of the things that we get because of how we feel about ourselves or the things that are the resources we have because of the way that we inhabit the world. And that can be privilege. That can be you know, all, all sorts of things get kind of dumped in there. But mm-hmm. the first house is the only house that is technically about us. Everything else is about all of these other things. But the first house is is you, your physical body, your, yeah, your, you. Yes. I, I love it too. It's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs in a way where it's, this is a building block, you know, if we, I mean, if we were to try to take it out of this secular, um, you know, thing that we see on the natal chart. It's like, this is step one. You can't mm-hmm. have, you can't just jump to step two. You have to build on it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think kind of like what we were doing before when we were kind of talking about these, you know, stoner born, stoner boner prompts is I think if we are looking to arenas of self that we're, we're going to look to this first house. And if we don't have planets there, we're going to look at what 
our ascendant or ruler or whoever's ruling our first house and then maybe look at that planet and see if what we might need to feel more aligned with ourselves because it's not going to just be a straightforward answer as we realize from these discussions what we're having of what do we do when we are just us when we're ours as individual like truly just I individuals and of course we as individuals now for the most part have to go interact with other individuals and this isn't really like thinking too much about that it does but it doesn't but well, it's really I think more it does because it is like that thing of of you know when people are like oh well, I don't feel like a blah 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 and it's like well if that's not your first house that makes sense but also it kind of doesn't matter what you feel like if that's not what the someone else who's meeting you doesn't know what you feel like it's your job to communicate mm-hmm. how you are or whatever but someone gets a first impression of you whether it's correct or not that it still exists and again, not saying that that's right or wrong or any of those things, but like you have an, imp- you have an impression whether you like it or not and your feelings about it don't matter. Like not, not don't matter, but you get what I'm saying. Oh. Like this, it, your feelings about it are different than the actual like impression that exists. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's like, I think it, that can be adaptable, but I, I think maybe something I've noticed in first housey people or people that have that, uh, whatever your planet is in the first house, I feel like there is a little bit of like, not that you can't be moved of, of how you feel or think, but I think it is going to be really strongly rooted in that principle or that planet or like whatever that influence is. Where I think maybe if you do have an empty first house, which I do if I'm not whole sign, I do feel like I'm as a self, I'm very easily manipulated and a little more easily <laughs> like question sure. myself or question like, uh, who I've been or where I'm going or what I've become. So I, I or guess it's more open, more open to interpretation of the other. Mm-hmm. If you don't have to- a thing, totally. I think some, because it is about, if you have planets in the first house, you do physically very much embody them, whether that is again, not, not like, Oh, I can see it. But like people who have Venus in the first are, are often, pleasant and except uh, for me i'm just a cunt no i think <laughs> oh, you think that you're a cunt I that's that 12 that i think that at all i think that but, i've been told that yeah. <laughs> uh, uh that's okay though i don't mind it but um all of these things you have but and you have other you have other things in the first two but i think that it's like you know again, these aren't hard, fast rules, but it is these ideas of, I think if you have things in the first house, people can attribute things to you more easily than if you don't, because then it becomes more of an energetic thing where like you cancer rising cancer, first house, um, uh, nurturing and quote unquote mothery means different things to different people. Therefore your energy might be more uh, easily interpreted depending on who's doing it. They can reflect onto you. They can see more of what you are as opposed to having something in the first house. That's like, I'm this, Mm -hmm. this is my energies. People still can interpret it incorrectly or, or in a way that they, it still is coming from their projection, but I think it's more like you embody something more when it's in your first house. Well, and I love that. Oh, oh sorry. I also, like, it's just funny hearing, like, the nurturing this, and I'm like, I don't do that to myself. I mean, now I am because my back's against but the wall. But it's not about, that's but... what I mean, where it's like, it's not about yourself. This, mm-hmm. I think that's well, the, the I, misconception but... about the first house, where it is, it is yourself, but it's not about how you treat yourself but, necessarily. But I think it, it's the, I think it like, could be, because I think it could be a call to action. I think it can be like, yo, cancer first house people, if you have not been mothering and nurturing yourself, like, you've been... 
I'm like, this is what you've been called to. I know everyone's projecting that on you to do that to them, but it's really like, that's what, that's who's here for you. This is your natal chart. This is your first house. Like mother, like fuck. The first house was actually very like stimulating thinking of like all these different planets and like how, yeah, on this chat, on this light side, when you look at these descriptions online or whatever, you'll be this, you'll be that, you embody this. And if you don't, or if you feel like you don't, it's like, is that what I'm being asked to do for myself? Because it like I think there is a lot of things that our natal chart. Well, it might not click. I think sometimes it is like waving at us to go like, hey, it'd be nice if you actually like paid attention to me over here and maybe did some of these traits that everyone's saying that you're like online or everyone's saying that you're like in these astrology books, but you don't seem to see that in yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. that- it's very interesting, Julia, that you said reflected onto you as cancer, which I think it's so, like, uh, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but very poignant, like, as we move from, you know, the Gemini, and, and we have uh, Mercury and the Sun, right, in cancer mm-hmm. right now? Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, so I think that, and especially with Mercury retrograde, too, like, we move from that Gemini where we talk about the mirror and I think that cancer is very much the next step of, we think of like the lake, you know, and you think mm-hmm. of like, uh, the moon, you reflection. know, nar- narcissus or whatever, like it not, it wasn't a mirror, you know, it was a lake. Like, uh, and I like definitely, uh, tr- we had like a photo uh, photography contest in school called reflections. And I would always every year try to submit like one where it was like my face reflected in like a ditch or whatever and my mom would always be like no like not that one (laughs) because it's like very dark and gross and like you know it's just this idea of like your reflection in the lake it's very like distorted and not um not not venus and not like you know it's it's Mm -hmm. real and and i think that's very cancer too like it there is like a placid lake and there is like active lake you know and i think that that's the to me that's very cancer the cardinal the side moving all of that kind of stuff um and I think just that depiction doesn't come out as often well I think it's also this first house idea I really liked how they talked about it on the astrology podcast of talking about the houses as kind of like separate from the signs and thinking about them really physically in terms of like they have the place that they are because they reflect the sun's movement and so obviously we know the most the the most common one is your ascendant which is where the sun you know was rising at the moment of your birth but the reason you know if you're looking at your chart like in a clockwise manner noon would be your 10th house which is your midheaven the highest most public point Mm -hmm. of your chart and then your descendant is when it's starting to go down sunset and then your uh, your IC is your midnight. Yeah. is midnight, the most dark private time, you know, thinking of when you're home and asleep, not always, you know, we're Which night owls and all this, but that kind that of I, like a clock, but also exactly not like a clock. Yes. I was like exactly <laughs> the opposite of a clock, but also exactly like a clock, but thinking about your ascendant again, being these things that you might not feel you embody them, but they are things that you put out into the world because right. it's what you want people to see. Your seventh house is in the back for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's the where you where you where you share 
hidden parts of you is when you are in those like one-to-one partnerships. It's not, it's someone getting to see six o'clock you versus 9am you. And I think that this idea of like, if you aren't necessarily, I think you're right of saying you, this might be something that you can give to yourself that you are giving out to the world. But I think it is interesting to think of these ideas of like, these, this isn't necessarily addressing what we need or what, who we identify with. It's, this is how we feel we should exist in the world. Mm -hmm. And some people have planets in the first house that make it not necessarily easier, but force them to more kind of what we were talking about with six, where if you, to me, first house planets can also mean like there are parts of your physical being that demand you that are going to be addressed with how you address the world. Some people don't have planets in the first house. And that's where it comes in more of this like interpretive kind of like, oh, I don't like how people interpret me because I don't necessarily have something there that speaks to who I am as a person where you have these things. I can communicate that. I can, if you get to know me, you know, this real me, but here's what I'm putting out up front. And it's, I think this push pull of like, we both are who our first impressions and aren't. And mm-hmm. so how do we, I think, like separating those things for, and understanding how we project ourselves in the, into the world can also help us understand where maybe we aren't projecting the things that we want mm-hmm. and understanding that those things aren't, they both are us and are not us. There's also parts of it that have nothing, it's, it's not fucking up to us. People are always going to see, not always, I don't like using that, that word, but it's like, you know, sometimes I don't want to be agreeable and whatever. And it's how, how I come across or whatever. Like I'm, it, even if you're not trying to be whatever, sometimes, sometimes your first house is going to be your first house. And that's, again, it's, it's not up to you to, to control other people's interpretation of it. If, but if there is a discrepancy, maybe look to that rule, ascendant ruler, look to where, what it is that you are wanting to project, maybe your descendant, things mm-hmm. like that. And Mars, and Mars too, like I think like what Lisa brought up too, I think, again, it's always just using all the clues, right? It's never going to be a straightforward answer with the natal chart. And wouldn't that be so easy if it was like, oh yeah, duh, yeah, your first exactly. house just well, do this. Sometimes it does manifest that way. And you're like, you're like, I don't want to say like, if your mom was abusive and someone's like, my mom was abusive. And you're like, God damn, it was right there. And then you're like, oh wait, we're all parents abusive. Yeah, fuck. I mean, I'll well, be but that's, I think that speaks to that thing of like, that's why we say don't judge a book by its cover because we intuitively know that some people you can judge on face value and some people have things, some people don't have planets in the first house. Some mm-hmm. people are projecting something that isn't reflective of what else is going on. Mm-hmm. I think with the first house too, and this might be too like far deep and back around to 12, but like, I mean, all the way around to 12, not Ooh, just we're reaching all We're reaching all the way back <laughs> to the but I think, butthole, like, baby. <laughs> sometimes, you know, even the way we talk about ourselves, we, we say things like, I don't really see myself that way, or I don't, mm-hmm. uh, my feelings don't match my emotions. And uh, there is this idea of kind of separating our, uh, I think we, we do it often, especially in astrology, is separating our intellectual selves from our emotional selves, from our physical selves, from our you know, I don't know what the last one is, performative selves, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. But I think that um, we we do like have different parts of ourselves. And I think, especially in spirituality and stuff, it's about getting getting yourself out of yourself and getting your, getting a little bit of break for your soul and all that kind of stuff. Like meditation, like, you know, taking your brain out of your body a little bit. 
And and so this idea that we we do splice up ourselves, especially in astrology, you know, we divide yeah. ourselves up into twelve. So you know, it's it is just the one thing that's like here, you yourself, your body, but like, what does that entail? Every other fucking thing on the zodiac as well. So like, you can't say that you are yourself without saying you are who you are in relationships because then that's not your whole. But um, so I just I do think there's an interesting divide there where it is again a representation of the entire circle, and I think as we study through each house, we'll find that each one is obviously a, a, a part of a whole or a whole of a part. Yeah. Well, it's not, that's, I like this. That's why I really like this idea of doing it in kind of those triads too, because I think you really can't talk, you can't talk about the first house without talking about the second and the 12th. Right. Like they can't, like we don't, we don't have, um, way language or th- like the, the, the thing of being human is having a subconscious that like alerts you to the fact that you exist and you have those things. So it's like the thing that makes you a first house is your 12th house. Mm-hmm. And, and the way that you exist in the world is by like getting things or whatever. So I, I, I agree with that. You can't like you talk know? about astrology in like a vacuum either. Like, no, yeah, exactly. like, yeah, this is a first house episode, but all this shit's going to come forward. It's just fun when you isolate it because yes. then you realize like the kind of connections that come up organically by just narrowing down that first house. Stevie, do you want to go through the yeah, kind of things list, that you wrote down? Yeah, I, love, I don't know if anyone did the signs. I, I didn't, but we could. If oh, yeah, to, or, I didn't do the signs. Know. I was like, oh, I don't know. We, we've like, done the signs. Yeah, we've done yes. the signs. Well, and I think, I think it, it is useful to think about the houses separate from the signs as much as they do. And I'm speaking purely regurgitating astrology podcast information at this, but it really did make me think about them in a different way because I think they have been really conflated. But when you're thinking about it as like areas of life and things like that, it is interesting to think about it separate from the signs because it does make it less like it makes it both more personal and less personal. Or right. Like I think we have a lot of attachments to things and I think thinking about it sep- just as like, this is self, this is identity, this is first impression, this is physical body, this is that. And how do those planets, how would that look? Mm-hmm. Well, it- I think we know our planets a little bit too. Like yeah. I, I'm very familiar with Venus and Gemini, which is my only planet in the first house. But like um, if someone else has like Sag Gemini, I mean, I mean Sag Venus, I'm, a little bit more like, okay, let's think about Venus and Sagittarius and which ones go and kind of like, um, it takes a little more where my Venus, I'm like, I'm aware and I know where it is. And so, and I think probably for most listeners, they are probably aware of where their planets are and what those feel like as well. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. and I, and I kind of touch on that too. Like, again, these are all going to be colored by your sign and your aspects at play, but the first house and the houses in general, regardless, are the environments, the arenas of life. They are the setting. Mm-hmm. And the planets are in that setting. They they showed up. This is where they at. This is the apartment they live in right now. And this is what their environment is calling for them to use their planetary power in order to be hopefully our highest natal chart loving selves. So, well, this- and I think it's good to the Austin Copic said a thing on that episode where he was like, you don't have astrology without the houses mm-hmm. for, for the intents and purposes of like, if you don't know where it's playing out, then we really can't talk. You can like give generalities, but this is what really gives the specificity of, okay, this is happening when you read a horoscope and you go, it's happening in this area of life. 
this is the thing. Okay, that's well, where Austin, we get into the nitty gritty. <laughs> I'm down with all you time unknowners. I am fucking down with you, and I have been getting time really unknowners. good at fucking figuring out rectifying years and all their shit, and like not not figuring out your ascendant or anything. Don't please don't hit me up for that. I can't do that. But like, um, yeah, I'm down with all the time unknown. I'm down with that 12 p.m., 12 o'clock noon exact start. So. Come for me, Austin. So all right, Stevie. So the sun, first sun, first house, people. I feel like my interpretation of this is going to be again high end. This is me. Here I am. Wow, sun in the first house. In my in my sign, like I'm just wow. I'm really doing the purpose of this sign here. I think it's going to also be very um where like appearance minded is uh, i think like a very like obvious kind of go-to trait but i don't think it's necessarily like other people's i think they want to impress themselves at the end of the day it's very much about am i doing the things that i think i should be doing and living out that sun trajectory that sun path and again not as much rooted in say seventh housey stuff really like like other people or eleventh house stuff or the social the uh, social houses it's very much like I am here shining my own light on my own self and I think on that if there's challenging aspects with that or I think it can be on the on the low end side maybe questioning gassing oneself up all the time like that because it's really not our default settings as uh, humans out in the world to be proud of ourselves and to be people that are our own cheerleaders so I think that is what it really is calling for when you have the sun in the first house. It is, I'm he, I'm doing that. I'm out here. I'm doing that. I'm impressing myself. I'm doing my thing. Go me. Shine on me. I'm here for me. I guess it could maybe get a little bit self-indulgent. But it's okay. You're, that's what you're here to do. Like, this is where you were, this is where you were planted. That's my I, I am, if, if, it, if I look like I'm not looking, it's because I'm <laughs> clicking through um, all my people that I have in astro.com charts to find, like, if anyone has, cause like when you're describing it, I'm like, that's someone. And I like go to pull up their chart to see. Um, but I think it's interesting because I think everything you're saying is definitely factually correct, but also because there's a lot of people in here that I know I just handed my phone when I was very drunk and said, put your birthday. In. <laughs> I'm like, why do I have you? Let me store you in my Rolodex. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's, it's, I mean, again, like the first house and sun, like, I don't know. I personally don't know many people with that. I know a lot of people who are same sign, uh, sign, sun, and Placidus are a lot of 12th house people. Um, and again, I think the 12th and first can always kind of bleed into each other. If no other, if no other statements, let's go in the mood. Obviously, I think this is going to really want the emotional world to feel balanced inside their bodily world. Someone that is going to really value those instant connections as well. Those kind of first self, like, oh, I'm just feeling it right away. We're clicking right away. I think Venus also too can have that similar tre- tendencies of like, oh, we're just it's just it's just on. I think Mars too. Now that I'm saying this out loud, um, I think it also can have very like a self because. The first house can be a lot of, of like early childhood too, like that like just born energy. So I think it could have a very like childlike approach to feelings. It's not overly calculated. I think it just wants to just feel what is feeling in the now. And if you're a Scorpio moon in the first house and you're like, what? No, I'm calculated as fuck. What are you talking about? Then I think this is, again, an instance where, well, I think maybe the first house is asking your moon to maybe – do some more of that just instant childlike connecting with people rather than coming in. So this is where I guess, yes, you can get into the sign application where this might 
sound like the total opposite day of of the sign of your planet. But we're we're, we're erasing that. Like that's like that's not here right now. I like yeah. that. I think that um, I think that there is definitely some truth in that like idea of what we're being asked to do and what is natural mm. because you know. Uh, like you said, Scorpio moon first house, none of those things it's, you know, they're not, they're both, yeah. Moon is cancer and they're both water, but it's not really the same kind of thing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so it is like, what is that thing calling you towards or pulling you towards? Mm -hmm. I think moon first house also people really feel like they know you. Yeah. Because it is a, a like emotions. They get a sense of like your, your inner feelings that might not be true. I can think of several instances of like celebrities who have a moon, um, in the first house, sun opposition oftentimes oh. and it is like their impression is very, I'm thinking specifically Michael Jackson, the impression of him is different than the identity. And oftentimes that's, again, now we're taking, well, talk about thinking, taking but... a childlike look at a uh, emotions mm-hmm. also not to mm-hmm. like, again, not to excuse any predatory ass behavior, but I think there really was. He was obviously clearly drawn to um, going back into a childlike state, which is very first house. Like, I think, again, not that it's necessarily always low end, but I think that sort of like with food or this, like, I think it's just going back and regressing a little bit can be also maybe a tendency, no matter what this these planets are going to be. Because it really wants to go to, like, a purity to the start to something that's more simple rather than the complications of life that have already fucking happened and we're all weathered and like over it and just like no like who cut who cares okay mercury first house people if you aren't talking to yourselves uh already <laughs> maybe that might be something to consider um i think this is definitely going to be someone that maybe is very analytical of oneself as well because it's just going to have that mercury and mercurial curiosity of oneself someone that wants to do those like quizzes and find out like what their love language is. Someone that wants to like really investigate um, the self in a very Mercury minded way. I think that's going to, again, across the board for all Mercury type people. It's like someone that like also like stares in the mirror at their own face and like examines every pore. Like, I feel like it's just very, like it's really wants to analyze and track and be very like aware of who are we as like a body, as a person, like what is, it's very, like, scientific, I feel like, in, in terms of, like, what is self? I'm so curious. Sure. I want to analyze this. I'm going to diary. I'm going to look this up. I'm going to watch documentaries, whatever the fuck. I think that um, it's also, uh, I think all that's true, especially because I'm Gemini first house, it's pretty much Mercury, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think also it's, like, this idea of to relate or, like, to, um, like, with the, with the goal of connection, I guess. Mm-hmm. Even right, if it's like, into I, oneself. And, like, oh, right, like... Right, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Like, my eyes do this thing when I look at this. Like, it, it is very uh, science-minded. And I think, again, it's, like, if you haven't maybe done that in your first house Mercury, I think that might be something of interest. Like, that's something... That's, like, fun homework, essentially, to explore. It's, like, like again, looking into your, like, vagina mirror homework. I don't... Like, it's very... Mm-hmm. It's just, like, what is this thing I'm in? Because this is... This is the vessel I have to then communicate my ideas. And isn't that so... Isn't that so fascinating? And then yeah. Venus, Venus. So, lo- like, love... I mean, obviously, love and those v- Venus things are going to be a huge importance for oneself to feel, like... Not that you need other people 
because I think this can go into self-love too, but it is going to be so fueled by just true, truly the power of love. And I think there's going to be magnetic energy. I think that's, especially with Venus Ascendant, if you're already not getting people who are like, hey, like I want to talk to you. Like it's just like people are going to have that drawn in alluringness, even if you're like, what the fuck? Like why? Like it's like it's Venus on the Ascendant. Sorry. And I think it's going to ask in the first house to really to do that self-care, to do that love. It's so cheesy to like spoil yourself to feel more aligned but Venus needs that Venus does need like comforts of like good bed good food like all like the things to feel self because at least for me as a Venusy person not Venus first house I'm like yeah that's like the meaning of life is like to like enjoy the beauty like the fruits of the labor of the world and to like sleep like what like so I connect with you Venus first house people I think it's but again turning it towards self might be because Venus is very other and partner so I think this is is going back more to a place of like solo I think um, I think that's right on I think it's especially any kind of action and oriented with um with love or like books or, or mm-hmm. movies that are like those kind of things um like it's like yeah like I'll I work with my boyfriend but it's like I'll work for you just because I love you, not because I fucking want to go, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I will give myself for love. And maybe, again, like, should this go more towards the self? Like, it's the first house. Like, of course, it's asking for that. But it's also just going to be, I think, always rooted in in that share. Yeah, like, there's always going to be sharing a little bit with Venus, right? Like, it's kind of, it's hard not to share when you're in love, when you're in love and you have food and you want, it's like, I can't eat this all myself. So, like, let's just do this. So Mars in the first house, I think this is going to be very straightforward about one's self needs. Uh, again, like Venus is the love things, but I think Mars is like, I need to go do this right now. Uh, it's more definitely bodily, very movement. Uh, I think that might be a good tool for like, if you're feeling fucked up in one, if you're like, I'm not feeling like myself, it's just but then move. I think like anything stasis is going to feel uh, just not, it's just not going to feel as satisfying. And I think maybe if you're like, what? Like, just move? I don't know. Like, I think it is asking to just move, to make mistakes, to find out. Like, it's just asking to just do it and explore what it feels like to just act rather than just kind of stay still in oneself. So I think, again, I think people might think people with First House Mars, from what I've seen online, it could be a lot, too. Because, again, it's Mars energy. It's up top. It's saying, what well, this is what I need. And, again, most people don't do that. So, Fuck anyone that thinks you're a lot if you have a first house Mars because you're just saying what you need and you can't be bored, which is <laughs> which is which is fair. I think it's also someone who can have literal high energy. Yeah. L- literal like physical energy, lot like a lot of it. Mm-hmm. A lot, and and you can like go for a long time, you can stay up late, you can you know physically draw it out. Your physical body has a lot of energy. Mhm. Totally. Jupiter, I think this is definitely someone that walks through the door and people are like, it's Jupiter. I mean, Jupiter has that, I think, anywhere it goes in the chart. It's just like, oh, look, you're here. How fun. You're so big. And it's that abundance. So it's going to be that first self of, like, doing the most for yourself. But, again, on that other side is, like, maybe it's that opposite of can't not really knowing when to say no. It's going to be a yes. It's going to be a yes. It's going to be try it similar, I think, in the, a Marsy sort of way. But I think this is just a time to, like, know that, like, these opportunities, like, Jupiter things are going to come to you that's going to be feeding yourself. I think it's just knowing how to vet and, like, quality control 
might be like a, a, a task or an, a tall order uh, to try out. I think Jupiter in the first can also be that larger than life um, or someone who I think that to me is more a lot right. than Mars. I think Mars is again, like someone who like physically is, is maybe like energetic or like is uh, like uh, antsy uh-huh. that sort of thing. But I think Jupiter is like, I'm fucking here. Mm-hmm. I actually think, and now I have to look it up, but um, I do think that yes, I think they're a lot. I think they turn can turn it off, and I think they do because now I'm looking. I'm trying to look up Chris Farley natal chart because that to me is so Jupiter first. Well, and house. that also is, but I like addiction, those kind of things. Okay, like, that is actually sure. a good time. Like, but I do think the thing that happens with you know people like Chris Farley is that when you want more drug or alcohol, yep. you learn to like tamp it back, and you learn to like manipulate and whatever and and you know maybe that's like a, a bit of projection for me well, but now if, i have to look up his needle chart but if you the body are the good time agent then at a certain point you are going to go do too much mm-hmm. right you have to your tolerance builds up you have to go i mean even like physically being a large expansive right, presence right. Of is, course, is why in the i first thought house. Of- Chris Farley. Oh no, that and is no, no. He is not Jupiter in the first house, but that is. But that's um, the image of that's like the image of person I like kind mm-hmm. of had when I was thinking of that. Where it is, it it can be, it can go big. And again, you might be a Jupiter first house and be like, "What? I'm so introverted, and that's like so not me." But again, this is Jupiter is in your house of self, asking you to take in all of the good, all of the all of the things that can build you up and gas you up. But again. You're going to be offered a lot of stuff, and it's some of it's not going to be good. So you're going to have to be your self advocate, whatever that is. What is Chris Farley? He 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 does have um, Jupiter Aries, so oh, we'll say. oh same as me. Yeah, uh, he's a Aquarius. Yeah, Aquarius uh, and Leo rising. Oh, interesting. That bigger than life. That I swear, well, Leo risings are sun. more Leo than like Leo. <laughs> Like the, that would still be sun uh ascendant ruler first house ruler would be the sun which i think are similar yeah we can make it work no matter yeah. how <laughs> but either way i think that chris farley is a good like archetype for that energy well now i'm looking too if this is accurate his his uh his jupiter's conjunct is mid heaven too so that's interesting yeah. to think of like perfect doing that not to like again yes you can, in astrology can you make anything fit probably but i think that's interesting that that is that outward thing i wonder if he i watched that doc a long time ago about him i feel like he was actually maybe kind of chill like ira that's like, what i mean like he he could tamp it back because he knows that he has well, so i wonder if first house sun, people that would be sun on the descendant Ooh, Leo but I, rising yeah. Aquarius sun. But I wonder his, if these first his house sun's people pretty far from his descendant. But so I wonder yes. if first house Jupiter people can't might have more trouble tamping that back because it is just so self versus this mid heaven right. stuff, which is more that controlled outwardy thing. Interesting. Uh, interesting. Now I'm that. trying to find. Uh, okay, just go ahead. I'm just <laughs> so Saturn. I mean, opposite day. Um, I think this is someone that is going to definitely have these standards, these kind of life rules you might have created for yourself. Um, also I found like a lot of people online were saying, I feel like cheekbones, like if we're going to get into the imagery stuff, bones, cheekbones, like just like very like striking features and hard, like hard angle angular. And I think this is going to be a first house planet 
that is going to really want to be account be accountable for yourself show up for your show up for yourself take care of yourself and again if if you haven't been doing that as a first house saturn that could be a arena of life to really focus on of like what are these day-to-day saturny tasks that are going to make me feel like more like myself Uranus. Uh I, I mean, this is going to be definitely someone that wants something fresh. I think in a Marsy kind of way, too, the Uranus and Mars can have a little bit of that, like, it's just happening. I think this can also be a bit of an eccentric e uh, placement. And I think it also might take a lot to surprise the Uranus first house people, too, since they've already feel there's that Uranus is weird. It has a funny name. It's like a strange planet that is all like so disruptive, but also like so unknown in a lot of ways. And I think, I think a challenge might be if if you haven't already with the Uranus first house is like just accepting that we are people that change our minds and accepting pe- that we are that we aren't the same person we are when we were born. Like you're like you might feel like you were totally different from when you were in high school to now. Like where I think there's some people who maybe have a little more consistency with the things they like or the people they hang out with. And I think that is going to naturally gravitate towards wanting to maybe mix it up. And sometimes mixing up, um, that's good, but sometimes we do have to stay consistent as well. So I think that's a, it, it can have an interesting push-pull there. I think that the self-love lesson for your in this first house is, um, you know, sometimes that thing that makes you uncomfortable ends up being the best part of your day. Ooh, I, like I think also embracing how you are the same as other people. Ooh, um, you're mm-hmm. allowed. You are allowed to be lovable, even if you aren't uh, like Different. unique. Right. Well, I think that like too, like Aquarians sometimes will, you know, pick the other color because someone picked that that same color. They just could not deal. Like I could not have the same as Stacy. That is so lame. It's like, well, you like you liked that color. It's fine. Like we can we can relate to one another. It's not a big deal. Uh, mm-hmm. Neptune, uh, if you've gotten a chart reading from us, I probably told you that you should probably pick up a paintbrush and clay and do, do stuff that is artistic with yourself. I think it's going to naturally have an artistic d- disposition and um, also probably live in your own mind a lot too. I mean, Neptune is, you know, known as the fog, as like confusement or um, just kind of like this, like not really, it's not really factual, right? It's like very living in the unknown. So I think that could be like a state that maybe someone who has a first house Neptune energy could feel like where Mercury is very like studying the body. I think Neptune might be like shocked it's in a body. It's like, whoa, mm-hmm. this is so weird. <laughs> like, why yep. is this a thing? Why Will I be a plant in the next life? I'll, we'll find out, I guess. Am I in the simulation? Pluto. Pluto. Pluto first house people. Uh, A lot of things I saw online. Je ne sais quoi. (laughs) I know. I mean, for like a natural intensity. I think a lot of things um, bodily. This was the one that kind of stuck out to me is, and I think for first house Pluto, I know first house Pluto people I know is too, is like these intense eyes was another Mm -hmm. thing I was seeing, which I was like, that's interesting. I could see that. And I think, you know, Pluto is very much about restarting, burning shit down, yada, yada, all those Pluto things we know. So I think since things can be burnt down so easily, I think it can be very protective, very like, why are you like, what is this? What are we doing here? And I think I think this is going to ask for a person with the first house Pluto, like where what parts of you are you protecting and why? Why is this towards everyone? 
is this towards certain people? So I think it's really going to have this, um, I mean, Pluto, again, we're in outer planet mode. Like Pluto's a little weirdo that bends all rules. So I think that is going to naturally be a person that might want to question what is, who, who are, who are we? Who am I? And who, what am I doing with all these other eyes in this strange land? I also think self-destructive, um, and also like self-made, Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's totally the kind of um, duality there. If you are a person who feels like you're self-destructive, let's make you into a bit of a self-made. And Ooh. if you're one of these bootstrappers, let's self-destruct a little, you know? Yeah. Yes. It's, I love that. So look at your first house. Think about it. It's, I mean, I love, I love the houses. I don't know. I'm a house freak. I think it's just so interesting that we can have these planets and these signs but then we're all in the same circumstances like we're all of these different circumstances of life that either really stand out for some or really don't for others or they'll come up later in life in different weird ways that we didn't even expect so i think there's just ah houses are cool hell yeah, yeah. i love them i love Look them your first house think about yeah. your first house yeah be yourself be yourself (laughs) yes uh thank you guys so much for listening we'll see you next week Bye. bye thank you for listening to what's your sign please rate us five stars and subscribe on itunes or whatever podcast platform you use if you like what you heard please support us on patreon you can also find us online on instagram at what's your sign podcast or on twitter at what's yr sign underscore pod you can also like our fan page on facebook and join our friendship group questions comments concerns or to book a commission chart reading you can email us at what's your sign podcast at gmail.com thank you so much for listening bye what's your sign baby what's your sign